0: As we turn our attention now to the reading and proclamation of God's word, let us pray for the Spirit's illumination. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Therefore, illumine now our hearts and our minds by the power of your Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we might receive with joy what you have to say to us today we might drop our nets and follow after you. For we make our prayer in the name of Christ, the Word made flesh. Amen. The lectionary text today from the Old Testament comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Last week we had the call of the prophet Jeremiah, and today we have the call of the prophet Isaiah. Listen now for God's word to you. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces, with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the sound of the voices who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, from, uh, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And the New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boats. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Peter, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were there with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Peter. Then Jesus said to Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the most peculiar phenomenons in the Internet age in which we live, I think, is the emergence of the social media influencer. Have you heard of these? Certain people with a large following online produce all sorts of content to promote certain brands or products. There's an Australian personal trainer with 13 million followers who posts workout videos and accompanying inspirational messages. There's a former Italian factory worker Who has accumulated 36 million followers who watch his life hack videos, which include content like Different Ways to Peel a Banana, all of which are accompanied with his trademark sarcasm and facial expressions, 49 million people watch videos of an Oklahoman beauty expert put on makeup and other beauty products. And as you might imagine, companies pay a pretty penny for these influencers to feature and promote their products as a part of their content. In fact, in 2020, over 6 million Instagram posts were so-called sponsored posts paid for by certain brands. Companies know that if they can leverage the influence that these particular personalities have over their millions of followers that it can be a very lucrative investment. Isn't influence a curious thing? Why are some people and some things so influential and others less so? And why do we humans get swept up in the fray of the latest fad or rage or trend or cause? And perhaps most importantly, how can we discern whether something is a good influence or a bad influence. Well, influence is essentially what Jesus offers Simon Peter in his call to leave his fishing nets and follow him. From now on, you will catch people, Jesus says, which is a, it's a summons to sway others. It's a call to influence others. And this should ring true for us, I think, because... Regardless of how many social media followers we might have, surely we all desire to have some kind of influence in our lives, right? We want to matter. We want to be consequential. We want our lives to be worthwhile. Influence and purpose go hand in hand. And none of us has a passion for purposelessness, right? We want to be driven in what we do, deliberative, in the way we use our time, motivated by our core convictions and values. Every once in a while, it might be nice to have a day when we do nothing at all, when we have no responsibilities or tasks, but soon enough, we wanna get back in the saddle. Nothing leads to burnout faster than the sense that what we're doing is insignificant. Nothing leads to indifference, quite like pervasive boredom. No, we want to inspire others, right? We want to influence the world around us. We want to fish for people, too. Now, if you think a summons to influence others sounds a little bit fishy, if you will, a bit ominous or dubious, maybe that's because the bad influences in our world seem to get the lion's share of attention. Politics can be a bad influence, insofar as it wields the weapon of fear to blind our society to the humanity of others. Advertising can be a bad influence, insofar as it nurtures a constant sense of discontentment and coveting within our hearts. And then, of course, there's social media, which is not all bad. In fact, many of you are probably watching this service on Facebook or Vimeo. Certainly, social media has certain perks, But many of its platforms rely on algorithms that push increasingly extreme content to viewers in order to use shock value to maintain our attention for longer and thereby expose us to more advertising. And this cascade of extreme content is certainly a bad influence because the consequence has been the proliferation of conspiracy theories and misinformation. It's a quirk in human psychology that we exhibit a confirmation bias by which we tend to uncritically accept ideas that reinforce what we already believe or want to believe. And so we're susceptible to the influence of outrage and fear, even if it means that facts and truth give way. A recent study uncovered by the Wall Street Journal revealed 32% of teenage girls reported feeling worse about themselves after spending time on Instagram. The image filters that alter and enhance what people actually look like present a dishonest and inaccessible view of an imaginary life, which nevertheless influences how we view our own lives. So even as bad influences seem emboldened and restrained in our world, Good influences often seem curtailed and dumbstruck by our society's demand for individualism and its gospel of non-judgmentalism. Good influences such as the structure of discipline, or the wisdom of the elderly, or the substantiated facts of science, good influences are often held in suspicion. They're likened, fairly or not, to attempts to impose control or force beliefs on others. Good influences are often dubbed propaganda and resisted with various forms of the phrase, don't judge me, man. Don't judge me. It seems like good influences lack the same allure, curiosity, and fascination that we might find elsewhere. And as much as we human beings might like to think that we have wise, discerning minds, that we won't fall for it, as much as we like to think that we always act rationally and autonomously, the truth is that we're just as susceptible as ever to influence. Why wouldn't we be? Has human psychology changed that much? But even still, we don't always give sufficient consideration. To what exactly sways our thoughts and actions. We don't always critically examine the things to which we devote most of our time. We don't always realize just how many influential currents swirl around us, vying for our attention, fishing for people in the waters in which we swim. Peter is told that by following Jesus, he will find himself fishing for people, catching people, exerting the influence of the gospel into the many magnetic fields of influence, contending for consequence. And for the church today, it seems that the most urgent question we face is how do we fish for people in our world with the gospel as our bait? How do we win friends and influence people for the good news of Jesus Christ? That's the big question, and in order to answer that question, we must first ask ourselves what kind of influence we want to have. It's a question that might make us feel a little queasy because the sort of influence that the church has sometimes sought hasn't always looked or sounded like good news. Sometimes the church has mostly tried to influence the big fish in the political pond in an endeavor to win culture wars. Sometimes the church has mostly tried to catch only certain kinds of fish content to release others injured and traumatized from the hook back into the wild. Sometimes the church has mostly pursued a conquering rather than a compelling influence, trusting more in human force than the gripping and persuasive word of God with which Jesus teaches crowds and summons Peter. But the verb to catch that Jesus uses to describe Peter's vocation means specifically to catch alive. The Greek word life, zoe, is embedded in the verb zogreo. Do you hear it? Zoe, zogreo. So to be a disciple of Christ then is to work for abundant life. It's to cause life to flourish. That's the influence of the gospel. And while the metaphor of fishing might not be the most chic or profound of of images for such a vocation, it does convey the everyday embodied, dirt-under-your-fingers nature of discipleship. Jesus has captured Peter's faith by the life-giving miracle of the miraculous catch of fish, and then he summons Peter to go and do likewise— for others. The call of Christ to capture people with new life comes to us today with just as much urgency and authority as it came to Peter. From now on, you will catch people. This is an announcement. It's not optional. It's not timid. It's not equivocal. The call to fish for people is a call to influence others with the life-giving gospel, to nurture abundant life in a broken world, to encourage and prompt and provoke others to follow Christ along the way that leads to life. For the kingdom of God remains near and its doors remain ajar. So then what will our influence be how should we as a church go about fishing for people in today's world? Can we counter the influence of despair with a gospel of hope? Can we counter the influence of fear with a gospel of hospitality? Can we counter the influence of death with a gospel of new life in Jesus Christ? Of course we can, and it's imperative that we do. But in order to do so, we must not wait around in our pews for people to come to us any more than Jesus waited around on the shore for fishermen to come to him. Instead, Jesus hopped right into Peter's boat. Unlike the rabbis of his time, Jesus did not accept applications from would-be apprentices. No, Jesus actively recruited those he wished to influence, and with his summons, they dropped their nets and followed him. So also we must enter the milieu of the world and the fray of our culture and meet people in their boats, fixing their nets, spending time on the shore. We must be active and engaged in our world, speaking the language of the crowd, knowing what people have to offer. And so we must become, in the end, influencers for the kingdom of God growing our followers, by producing as our content the love of Christ, by setting captives free, insisting on justice, and welcoming the stranger, the orphan, and the outcast. This is our calling. This is the influence that we can have. And in this age and in this hour, it is as important as ever that we drop our nets and follow Christ along this way. So like Peter, the impressionable fisherman, let us respond faithfully to our Lord's summons. Let us share and cultivate abundant life in the midst of the forces of death that seek to influence our world, and let us inspire the world with the grace and hospitality and love of Christ that our influence might be one of renewal and hope. May it be so. Alleluia and thanks be to God. Amen.